Let's take our Bibles this evening to Psalm chapter 3, please. Psalm chapter 3. We've entitled this message, Fear or Faith. Fear or Faith. One of the first things you'll note in Psalm chapter 3 is the superscription that tells us that it is a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. That indicates to us that David penned these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit when Absalom, his son, was leading a rebellion against him. David had fled from the palace. Once again, David is living on the run. And morning and night, he is confronted with terror. Whether it's the terror of what's lurking in the dark, or whether it's the terror of what's going to happen this day. Is my son going to kill me? Is this person going to turn against me? Is this situation going to happen? And he was faced with all of these mounting questions, doubts, fears, terror. He had a choice to make. Fear or faith. Psalm 3 is a confident prayer of David when after having fled from the palace, when surrounded by enemies, in spite of innumerable adversaries who were convincing him that he had no hope, David has confidence that he has found safety in God, that he has found protection in God through the night, through the day, and he is convinced that he will ultimately be delivered by God. My friends, we too contend with the terror of the night and the terror of the day. Maybe you wake up in the morning and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're surrounded by all the news and you feel that pit in your stomach. Or you're going through your day and somebody says something or you get a call, you get a message, you get a, 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 a letter in the mail, something you weren't expecting. All of a sudden there's that pit in your stomach. Maybe something didn't go the way you were expecting it to go and there's that pit in your stomach. And you've got a choice. Are you going to give in to the fear or are you going to step out in faith? As we move through Psalm 3, we're going to look at first in verses 1 and 2, David's complaint. Then we're going to look at verses 3 and 4, David's confidence. Then verses 5 and 6, David's cheer. And finally, verse 7 and 8, David's conflict. And as we move through this text, these eight verses, we're going to see how David chose between fear or faith. Let's look at verses 1 and 2 and consider David's complaint. He said, O Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God, Selah. Whenever adversity strikes, whenever something bad happens, you and I have a choice. We can turn from God or we can turn to God. We can use suffering to justify unbelief or we can use suffering as a spur to believe. And David is setting the example here for us because what does he do? He doesn't go to unbelief. Rather, he turns to believe. He turns to faith. He turns to the Lord in very direct address. Oh, Lord, he begins. And along with the increase of his adversaries, David says he's experiencing an assault on his faith. Notice he says, many are saying there is no deliverance for him in God. Interesting, the word deliverance there is the Hebrew term Yeshua, which means salvation. If 
By the way, uh, Yeshua, that would be transliterated into English as Joshua. Salvation is of the Lord. And so the, the uh, leader of Israel following Moses, his name was Joshua. Uh, we also have Joshua the high priest uh, after the captivity when they were returning from exile. Again, reminding people that uh, salvation is from the Lord. And then we have a third Yeshua, and that is Jesus. Uh, Jesus is the Greek transliteration of the Hebrew term Yeshua. And so literally you could say that Jesus is the third Joshua in the Bible. Uh, he's the culmination of the first two uh, Joshuas who certainly pointed to the fact that deliverance or salvation is from God. But here in verse 1, David is saying there's no deliverance. They're telling me there's no salvation for me in God. They're charging that God has abandoned David. And you know, many times we're here, we, we've heard that, I've heard it from different sources, that, you know, in the midst of this conflict or suffering or uh, virus, whatever word you want to apply to the situation, uh, that I'm hearing from different avenues that, well, where is God? God has abandoned the church. You know, God has, uh, you know, if, if God is so good, why is he allowing the suffering? And in many respects, that's what the adversary wants. That is exactly what Satan wants. And this really is an example of practical atheism. Practical atheism. And whether you want to believe this or not, the reality is that even believers, even Christians, struggle with atheism. You say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. I'm a believer. I believe in God. I'm, I'm not a God denier. Listen very carefully to what practical atheism does. Again, in word, you may not be an atheist. But in practice, you might. I'm not questioning whether you're a believer or not. True believers struggle with practical atheism. Even David struggled with practical atheism. That's what he's dealing with here. Notice, first of all, the first attack of practical atheism is that God has abandoned us. When we as believers fall prey to thinking that God has abandoned us, we are practicing atheism. That's the first attack. The second attack from practical atheism is that we aren't, aren't worth God's attention. You know, God really isn't interested in me. God doesn't really care about me. God's got other things on His mind. We're not as important as this or that or the other thing to God. That's practical atheism. And the third attack in the, in the process of practical atheism is that, well, let's turn elsewhere for help. And, and beneath that cry to turn somewhere else to help is an abandoning, in one sense, of our faith for fear. Now, this isn't apostasy. But it certainly could lead the way to apostasy. And no true Christian would apost but become an apostate. No true believer is going to apostatize. But certainly, there is the challenge that all of us face not to drift towards that direction, not to give in to this practical atheism. You know, don't, don't fall prey to the attack that the enemy is out there saying 
that, hey, God's abandoned you. Don't fall for the attack that you're not worth God's attention. Don't fall for the attack that, well, we got to look for help elsewhere. Our help is in the Lord. That's where our help is at. You know, the skepticism of others or even your own self-doubts are going to battle for the faith of your heart. And as the evil in the world grows, that lie that they were telling David, there's no deliverance for him and God, is going to sound like the truth. And we have to fight against this lie. We need to remember the origin of this lie is Satan. And remember what Jesus said in John 8, 44. Satan was a murderer from the beginning. Satan does not speak the truth. He doesn't stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. And when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. And that, my friends, is exactly why Paul tells us in in, uh, Ephesians to take the shield of faith, because it is the shield of faith that is going to help us to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one, Ephesians 6.16. And that's exactly what we see here in verse 3. So let's move on to verse 3. And we're going to see how David turned from the lie to the living God. Verse 3 and 4 says, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain, Selah. Here we now see David's confidence. Verses 1 and 2, we saw David's complaint. Now we see David's confidence. He moves from the character of his adversaries to the character of God. But you, O Lord, his eyes turn to God's greatness. His sphere is met by faith. He turns to the Lord. His mind is filled with these military metaphors. Of course, how fitting as he's about to enter into a battle against his own son. But he has these military metaphors. First, he says, God is his shield. Remember, that's what what Paul told us back in Ephesians. Take the shield of faith. What's the shield of faith? Better question, who's the shield of faith? The shield of faith is God. It's our Lord. God is our shield. God protects us from the enemy's attack. You know, spiritual battles have to be fought spiritually. And faith, our faith is going to grow, not as we focus on the enemy, but as we focus on the protective power of God. You are a shield for me. Notice that's personal protection. Second, he is David's provision. He says he is my glory. Now the word glory in the Old Testament comes from the Hebrew word kabod, and it means weight or heavy. The idea is when a troop would go out into battle, soldiers go out to battle, they went out light. And when they won the victory, they came back weighty or heavy because they were bringing spoil back with them. They brought glory back with them. They received glory for their triumph. And in this battle, the spoils or the glory is God's, not David's. Okay, David it was uh, uh, victorious because why? God brought back provision and spoil for David. Then notice a third thing, David, uh, excuse me, God lifts David's head. He said, he's the one who lifts my head. He's my shield, he's my provision, he's my glory, 
and he's the one who lifts my head. You know, the lower head uh, signifies shame and humility. David's head had been lowered in shame by the revolt of Absalom. But God who protects him, God who provides for him, is going to lift his head in triumph. David's dignity is going to be restored because the Lord is going to win the battle and he'll do the same for you and me. In our battles, whatever the battle may be, whether it's with the world, the flesh, or the devil, whether it's with our own flesh, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, or the lust of the flesh, whatever the battle may be, whoever the enemy may be, my friends, we know this. God protects, provides, and lifts us up. 1 Peter 5 says in verse 10, But may the God of all grace, who has called us to His eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To Him be the glory, the dominion, and power forever and ever. Amen. Now in verse 4, we have the secret to effective prayer. The secret to effective prayer. You know, we begin worshiping the Lord and calling to mind His character. And as we describe Him and remember what He's done, our faith grows. There's the secret of effective prayer. By focusing on the character of God. And you know, the the strength of our prayer, the power of our prayer, is directly connected to our conception of God. David says, I cried to the Lord with my voice. He heard me from His holy hill. I love the fact that David says his prayer was audible. He cried out. You know, so many times when we pray to ourselves, if you will, when we pray silently or quietly, you know, it, it, our minds wander. It happens to me. I'm sure it happens to you. Uh, I find it's better to what? Pray out loud. Very good discipline to pray out loud. Why? Because as you're praying out loud, it helps you to focus on not only your prayer, but on the one to whom you're praying. And listen, such prayer is productive. God hears. You know, there's a confidence that comes in prayer. Not simply the answer to prayer, but when we pray, we are opening ourselves up to God, to the Holy Spirit, that with the assurance that God is here, that hears us and that we are having communion with Him. You know, David directed his prayer to God's holy hill, but today we have the blessing we can pray directly to the Lord Jesus Christ. We can pray to a person, and His risen body is our temple. He's our mediator. We've got direct access to the Father because of Him. Now let's notice David's cheer in verses 5 through 6. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me round about. The consequence of David's prayer is sketched out in verses 5 and 6. He says, first, he has, I have been sustained in sleep. I lay down and slept. I awoke. You know, sleep is a sign of God's peace. David says, I slept all through the night. Because God was awake, God was watching, God took my burdens. He says, I've been kept by God. Psalm 127 verse 2 says, He gives His beloved sleep. And then second, David is now serene or peaceful before his enemies. Listen, he's had a great night's sleep through the night. He didn't fear the terror of the night because God was awake and watching over him. And now... Here's the terror of the day, and he's not, he's not sweating that either. Here's the fundamental answer to prayer is David's faith triumphs over his fears. He's completely at peace. He's serene. He's calm. He's quiet. You know, God never promises to change our circumstances, but He always promises to change us. 
You know, God may not change our circumstances, but I believe we can go through these circumstances and have God change us. Finally, look at the conflict in verses 7 and 8. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have smitten all my enemies on the cheek. You have shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon your people, Selah. You know, with God's protection and provision, with the peace in his heart, David is ready for the battle. He calls on the Lord to fight. He's confident in the outcome. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. God's going to fight my battle. He's the commander of the army. God, you have been victorious in the past, and I believe you're going to be victorious in the present. Notice he says, you've struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. We need to remember that Christ, the seed of the woman, mortally bruises the head of the serpent. Martin Luther said it this way, In a mighty fortress is our God. And though this world with devils filled doth threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed His truth to triumph through us. When the, with the Lord going into the battle for us, the outcome is secure. And David expresses his confidence. Salvation belongs to the Lord. It's God who delivers the godly from their enemy. It's God who brings us victory. victory, victory. God, not us, provides hope. David concludes, Your blessing is upon your people. Blessing comes from God's bringing happiness and prosperity to the recipients of his power. Saving David from his enemies is not the end in itself. No. Through it he also blessed the nation. You know, in the same way Christ has saved us from sin. He has saved us from Satan. He has saved us from hell and death. So that we can be the means of blessing the church. And through us even blessing the world for which he died. So we summarize Psalm 3 by looking at David's complaint, his confidence, his cheer, and his conflict. That God hears, God answers, God fights the battle, God defeats our enemy, God blesses his people. And this is important because we too are in a battle. Whatever that battle may be in your life or my life, whether it's against the world, the flesh, the devil, whether against it's the lust of your eyes, the lust of your flesh, or the pride of your life, or whatever the issue may be, David shows us. Here, who fights for you and me? And that's God. And how do we fight? We simply have to pray. We simply have to hold up the shield and let God give us the victory. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for the word before us. We thank you, Father, for uh, what you've shown us in this word, this word of confidence, if you will. Uh, that there is a choice to make between fear and faith. And so often, uh, as your children, we are in fear. Uh, it's our natural tendency, our human nature to fear. And yet, God, you tell us that you can turn us from fear to faith. That, Father, it's opportunities where there is time for fear. It's those opportunities where you can grow our faith. And so, Father, I pray to that end that you would grow each of us where we need to grow, that, Lord, you'd help us to embrace the great truth that you are the one who fights on our behalf. What we need to do is pray. And, Lord, we need, as we pray, to focus on your character, to focus on who you are and what you've done, and know with confidence, Father, that you will grant the victory. 
Father, Lord, I pray to this end that each and every one of us who uh, at one point or another is in, in a battle, whether it's uh, with whatever enemy it may be, that, Lord, I pray that you would bring the words of Psalm chapter 3 to our mind, that, Father, you have delivered us. You know, we're crying out for deliverance, but, Father, you've already guaranteed the deliverance, and we praise you for that. In your Son's name, amen.